All right, so uh, I asked a few of you this morning, and I asked you this morning already, but how was your Thanksgiving? Good? Yeah? We had the kind of two weeks leading up to Thanksgiving in this series called Thanks- Thanksgiving. Um, and, and then many of us gathered last Sunday night. I can't believe this. It was last Sunday night uh, for the community service, which was awesome as well. And then uh, had our time with our families, and I hope it was a blessing to you. But we're going to finish up this morning in the series on Thanksgiving. And it is interesting because most people say it went really well, and that's cool, right? Sometimes maybe it doesn't go as well as you hope, or maybe it went better than you expected, right? And that got me thinking, because we've had three weeks in the series, and kind of the, uh, the concept, if you will, was to, a series on how to give God, to thank God practically, right? To, to literally give thanks um, to God, to do that work well together, how we can practically do it. And we've had three weeks, and the first was praising God. It was hallelujah, right? Like, praise God every day of your life. And then last week, it was counting our blessings, which was, you know, the Fickers end up being here and Ryan up preaching, which was amazing, but counting our blessings and what it looks like um, to be uh, grateful each day for all that God is doing and will do in our lives. And then, but this uh, Sunday, we're talking about this idea of getting happy, getting happy, right? We're going to go into Christmas. It's awesome, by the way, the time of year. I was a little annoyed by the Christmas music before Thanksgiving. Anybody annoyed by that at all? Yeah. There was even a, a Walmart checker was checking me out, and she's like, ugh, because they were playing Christmas music before Thanksgiving, and I'm like, if you're frustrated, you work here. I'm like, yeah, talk to somebody. But now I'm like, yeah, you know, Christmas, let's go. Like, let, let's, I love it. I love it. And so uh, all the fun stuff's been happening for the season. But what does it mean to get happy? I think as a culture, we like to chase happiness chase happiness. And I don't know if you remember the comment one time, but I do at Family Bible Church. I remember Sarah Walker shared with us. She said, uh, chasing happiness is like chasing a chicken. You can't ever quite get hold of it. (laughs) Well, today we're going to talk about happiness from a biblical perspective and what it looks like to get happy together, okay? Um, I'm going to read for you. If you want to turn in the book of Matthew to Matthew chapter 5, We've been doing psalms for the series, right? The psalms are the poetry of the people of God that they've written out. If you've not spent time in the psalms, I can't encourage you enough to do so. But this morning, we're going to actually be in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12. And I want to read it, and then pray, and then we'll talk through it this morning. This is Jesus teaching his disciples. That's important. And it's a famous sermon, but this is the beginning. This is how he starts. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much. We've already said it's an honor to be in your presence. We acknowledge that openly, Father, that we stand before your holiness and your righteousness, which is more than we can fully comprehend. You spoke everything into existence, and we are but a small part of your created order. And so we give you thanks and praise with all of creation this morning. 
We come here to gather near to you and to hear from you, Father. And so would you teach us your word through the power of your Holy Spirit? Would you cause us, all of us, each of us, to hear and engage with you directly in relationship? Would you bring up those things in our heart and life that need to be dealt with? Would you help us to move forward with you in a meaningful way? Would you glorify yourself? Indeed, Father, would you cause us to bring you glory through relationship? We love you so much. We need you so much, and we thank you. We pray this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So this is a super famous part of Scripture, right? The Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus takes the disciples. He's already begun his healing ministry. He's already begun to proclaim that the kingdom of God is here. And then he gathers the disciples together to begin to teach them explicitly what's going to be happening in his kingdom. The first thing you may notice about this passage of Scripture is the word blessed. Blessed. I don't know if you ever say that to anybody like, hey man, how are you? I'm blessed. Or, you know, blessings. Or, I hope you're blessed. It's kind of a weird language, right? Like, I think as a pastor, I get a pass on using it all the time, you know? Like, I can say it. I'll sign off emails that way. Blessings. Um, even get fancy, you know, blessings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, you know, for people, <laughs> super churchy people. But what does it mean to be blessed? Like, what does it really mean? You know, how are you? I'm, I'm blessed. Well, it's interesting to me that another way that word can be translated is actually happy, right? Like happy, 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 you know? That, we, that when we are blessed, we are happy. And this begins to unfold the complexity with which Jesus is teaching his disciples about life on this earth. You, you, you read that, and you could say, yeah, blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, and you have that kind of um, paternal instinct. Say, oh, bless your soul. You know, like, it's, it's like, you poor thing. But that's not what blessing is. Blessing is happiness. Happy are the poor. So I just want to say as we begin to kind of explore this passage, this text, I want to say that you can replace the word blessed with happy and do no ill to the text. It's a fair replacement. Now, let me also add this little caveat about happiness. When the Bible speaks about happiness, it's not talking about a feeling. You know, we say, that's why it's like Sarah saying it's like chasing a chicken, you know? Like, because you're trying to feel happy. I just want to feel happy. I just, I just want to feel happy. Come here, happiness. I want to feel it. But the Bible says about blessings and happiness is not about a feeling. It doesn't exclude a feeling. But it's about a reality. Happy. You are blessed. And so it's not so much what maybe you're experiencing, but a reality of your state. And so I just want to say that happiness in this case is not a feeling, but a reality. And we're going to drive that home as we walk through each of these um, persons that Jesus, in his initial message to the disciples, said are happy, are blessed. Okay? So there's nine in here. So let's walk through and see the nine people or persons that Jesus says are blessed. The first is, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, Luke 6 simplifies this, and it says, blessed are the poor, and it leaves off the spirit. As a matter of fact, uh, the, the list in Luke is shorter. If you want to look that up, you can. And it's also um, more truncated, right, in Luke's recording. But, but Matthew spends more time here kind of, you know, extolling or expanding upon the teaching. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? See, right away I ran into language issues. Like, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? I want to get a visual here. To be poor means to be a beggar. It means to be a beggar. And it doesn't mean to be a beggar necessarily. Um, you know, there's a couple ways to be a begging. You think about begging like this, like getting on your knees and like, please, please. Like that kind of beggar. 
But there's another kind of a beggar. And another kind of beggar is one who's turned down. They walk kind of slouched over. They don't make eye contact. They hold out a cup, and, and they say, please, please. This is the image we get for the poor, but it's not the poor, meaning in financial matters alone, but what? The poor in pneuma, in spirit. And so we have a biblical image of Jesus says, happy are the people who, who can't hardly take breaths. Happy are the people who can't hardly, now here's a key, right? It doesn't say Holy Spirit, but who can't hardly sense God. Blessed are people, happy are people who, who are kind of turned down from life, who are beat up in life, who have been oppressed in life. I want to remind you, if you look back in Matthew 4, this is right after people begin to gather around Jesus for healing. He begins to see the great needs, not that he wasn't aware of the great needs of humanity, right? He's, he says, Happy are the poor in spirit. This is his proclamation. Let's say that. His proclamation. They are happy. You say, what? How can a poor person be happy? How can a person who's poor in spirit, beat down by life, closing in, not making eye contact, and just hoping for mercy, how can that person be happy? Well, the cool thing about Jesus' sermon is he gives reason. And this is poetic language, much like the Psalms. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? See, that's the question. Why are they blessed? Listen to what the word says. Because theirs is the kingdom of God. Fact. Right? That fact for Jesus. You know many people say, oh, I, I follow Jesus, I believe in Jesus, and then we live a lot of like, Jesus is completely irrelevant, right? These are Jesus' facts of who is really happy in life. Happy are those who are poor in spirit. Why? Because there's is, look at, real time, factual, in the moment, the kingdom, the Basileia, that's the rule, authority, privilege, power of heaven. That God from his infinite throne gives his infinite kingdom to those who are beat up and turned down. Don't miss it. It's a current state if you look at it. And we're going to say that almost every time. What? Listen. Why are they happy? Because it belongs to them. They don't even know it. They're in this life they're just begging, can someone have mercy? And God's answer is yes. Yes. In heaven. In my kingdom. Matter of fact, again in Luke 6, if you looked at it, you probably know. In Luke 6, it says, blessed are the poor because there's the kingdom of God. His kingdom belongs to the poor, according to Luke in chapter 6. So the reality is that blessed are the poor in spirit because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of God. It belongs to them. Therefore, they are happy. Hmm? Get this, though. They don't look happy, do they? We see someone beat down like that. We're not like, you're blessed. We don't say that. Hashtag blessed. Don't say that. Boy, look at that happy person over there begging. They're happy. But that's what Jesus said. Blessed the poor in spirit. Well, let's move on. Maybe, maybe this goes up from here. <laughs> maybe we're going to get the really happy people at the end. Um, look at verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed for those who mourn. Kind of. That's how it's translated-ish. More fair translation is blessed are those mourning. The, the, the word there is an active process of lament. Those who are really hurting, Jesus calls them happy. What? It, it makes me shake my head. Like, what do you mean, God? I mean, uh, how are we happy when we're mourning, when we're 
actively. It's, see, blessed are those who mourn sounds like a passive on the shelf happened at one time, but I'm over it now, and I'm better, and I'm moving on, and I'm good. But it says, happy are those who are mourning, who are actively hurting, who are lamenting. Have you read a psalm? The psalms are full of lament. Oh God, how long will we wait? Oh God, how far are you from me? Oh God, won't you draw near? Will, will you not forsake me? Will you come near to me? You can read that as a literal mourning over a death, grieving. How many people look at a widow or a widower or a son or a daughter and see them weeping in a casket and say, happy. What? Doesn't make sense. Jesus says, fact. Fact. They're happy. Why? Why are, are we blessed? Why are we happy when we're mourning? Because they will be comforted. They will be comforted. It's, it's very clear here that this grieving, this, this, this moment of lament is met by God, that the reality is that in the future tense, and get, get the moment, in the moment you are actively mourning, in the future tense, you will be comforted. You will be uh, called near. You'll be summoned or encouraged. You will be consoled. Idea of intimacy. You're broken and weeping. You don't know how to move forward. You say, oh God, where will my comfort come from? And there's a voice next to you that says, I am here. Th this meets head on so many of the griefs of life, right? As a matter of fact, we can say that means to mourn as in death, but listen to me. It can mean to mourn a relationship, to mourn a, a hope. Oh God, I was hoping this would happen, but, but now it's over. And the promise is that you are happy because in that moment, you are comforted. Jesus calls them blessed as a fact. In the future, they will be comforted. It's a fact. So he's proclaiming a kingdom, an authority. Number three, the third person we meet is the meek. <laughs> the meek. Meek's a funny word. We don't use meek very much anymore. Huh? It's out of favor, isn't it? Who wants to be meek? Anybody want to be meek? Nobody. <laughs> right? No one's pressing ahead to get to the front of the line of meekness. But meekness means uh, mildness or gentleness, right? Uh, a, a gracefulness, if you will. One thing that's worth saying here, and I think the reason it's fallen out of favor in our culture, is meekness isn't weakness. We interpret it that way. We say, well, those meek, they're, they're weak. If, if, if they were stronger, they'd be bolder. That, that's not what the scriptures say at all. No. Jesus calls them happy are those who are meek. Happy are the meek, Jesus says. It is not weakness. Instead, it is gentleness and strength. Or another way you can say it is this. It's strength under control. Let me give you an image of meekness. It's the big bouncer who could break your neck, but doesn't. Right? Have you ever heard that? A lot of big guys don't have to get into fights. They don't have to. Nothing, nothing to prove. That's meekness. It's power under authority or under control. None of you raise your hand. Nobody wants to be meek. Do you know who called himself meek? Jesus. Jesus, come after me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, he says. Follow me, because I'm meek. That means he's weak? No. He's the ultimate authority under control, or strength under control. Gentleness. Well, we can ask the same question, why? Why are the meek happy? Why are those who have so much power but are under control, they're not exercising it, they're not demonstrating how powerful they are to the world. Why are they happy? Jesus says, because they will inherit the earth. They will be, inherit the earth. I, I want to spend just a second talking about inheritance, because I'm not sure that that really works and makes sense for us. We often think about inheritance like this. 
I want my inheritance, right? It's what's owed to you. If you are the rightful heir of an inheritance, it comes to you fully because you deserve it. You have the right claim to it. Matter of fact, sometimes inheritance, uh, inheritances get messed up in the courts and people fight for the right to be the inheritor, you know? It gets crazy. But the biblical word of inheritance doesn't mean a right that you have, a claim that you have. Because in the biblical sense, inheritance was done by casting lots. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? Yes, they would cast lots, just like they did in Acts chapter 2, I believe it was, when they or 1, when they cast lots for the disciples and Matthias got the lot, fell to Matthias, right? Next to the disciple. <clears throat> that was how they disposed of inheritance. As a matter of fact, whenever Israel inherited the promised land, they cast lots to see who would get the promised lands. And they were given the, 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 the land that had been ordained for them. And that's the way you think about inheritance. You don't think about what you deserve. You don't think about what you deserve. God, you owe me an inheritance. No, but you will get what God has apportioned to you. That's where meekness finds its blessing. Not more or less, but right. There's an idea of an overarching confidence in God's ability. Why, do, why am I happy when I'm meek? Because I don't have to demonstrate my power. I don't have to work out of the flesh. I don't have to manipulate people to get my way. Meekness says, no, there's a great big God in this great big universe, and he's in charge, and he will rightly apportion his inheritance to his people. There'll be justice. So we have this idea here that, that there's this um, future tense. They will inherit their right position. They don't, have to, they don't have to jockey for it or position for it or impress God. It's not what we're trying to do because God already knows what he's apportioned for us. That's why they're blessed. We inherit our, our proper lot by rightful portion from God. They're happy. Have you ever heard of that being content in all circumstances? You ever heard that? Are you familiar? I didn't get the promotion at work. You content? I, I didn't get that you know, uh, opportunity. I didn't get that girl or that guy. <laughs> Be content. <laughs> I missed that opportunity. Be content. Why? Because you're going to inherit your portion. By the way, don't miss this idea that inheritance is related to um, belonging, to, to a claim being made over you, not you over stuff, but God over us, an inheritance. Jesus goes on, number four. Happy are those hungering and thirsting for righteousness, Right? Those hungering and thirsting, look again at the active words. What do you want more than anything else in life? Righteousness. How many people say that honestly? I'm not sure that I can. So what? How many of us, that's how we live our lives? Hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Let's, let's break it down a little bit, right? The most tangible human need is to be fed and watered. <laughs> drink. <laughs> Food and drink, the most functional need we have as humans. You, you, you can't do much without it. You know, you need to breathe, you need water, you need food in that order. Those are the three critical things, and you can have life. And Jesus says, happy are those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. What does righteousness look like? Righteousness is an idea of justice, of, of um, a right setting of things, a, a proper line. Um, almost you could say a holiness. And to hunger and to thirst means to, to crave or need 
to, to not be able to live without it. God, I, I have to have it. And here's the thing. If you read enough of the Bible, you're going to hear over and over the theme of God's holy people, and it's different than people in the world. It's completely different all the time. There are people who are false prophets who are doing other things, but there's a people under it who say, God, for your righteousness, that, that, that you would make yourself known. God, we can do nothing else. As a matter of fact, you'll remember when Jesus came out of the desert, he was tempted with bread, and he said, no, I want, I want God. Like, I won't sacrifice God for something less than God. I won't do it. I'm, I'm hungering for the ultimate truth. This is the, the, the heart of a psalmist, right? And Jesus says, happy are those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. What does this imply? What does it imply if you're hungering and thirsting that you haven't eaten or drink yet? That you're still waiting for the meal? And Jesus says, those who are still waiting for justice, waiting for judgment, are blessed, happy. Listen, fact. What? How in the world are you happy when you're waiting for justice? How are you happy when you're waiting for righteousness? How are you happy when your soul is crying out, oh God, how much longer will we tolerate this brokenness? I'm so not satisfied with the way things are. Well, he answers it, because they will be filled. That's what the word says. They will be, in the future tense again, notice it, they who hunger and thirst actively right now, all the time waiting for righteousness, they will be filled fact in the future. The word filled means to be fed, to be fattened, to be distended, right? Uh, to be fully satisfied. Here's the imagery I get from this. Have you ever gone to the buffet? Y'all just had Thanksgiving. This will probably relate. And you go, I couldn't eat another bite. And then you see that pumpkin pie or that cherry pie. Maybe one more bite. I'll just try a little bit of each. My kids just call it the dessert tank. The dessert tank is empty, Dad. The food tank is full. But the dessert tank, empty. <laughs> no. Blessed, happy are those who are longing, hungry, and thirsting for righteousness because they will be full. There's this great analogy about um, going to the buffet, you know, and, uh, you know, being fully satisfied. You leave with no hunger no thirst. You're completely done, right? Like roll you to the parking lot. You can't have any more, you know? There's this idea of fullness that we never quite get to here on this earth. We always long for a little more, a little more, a little more. And he says, in this moment, justice, you will be filled. I want to give you a word of hope from this because this is what Jesus is doing. He's looking at the people who are crying out for righteousness and, and for right judgment. And he's saying they are happy because they will be full. I want to encourage you in life that there's things that you say, that's not right. That's not just. That's not fair. God's answer is, you're correct, but it will be fulfilled. This is why so many of us, when we have to met out our own justice, we have to have a pound of flesh. We have to, we have to take what, what we think is rightfully ours from someone to punish them for it. We don't leave, leave any space for God's justice. But God says, no, I will make it right. I will make it full. And therefore, the fact is that those who are longing for righteousness or for right judgment are happy because they will be filled. Every unmet need, I think we can't get that through our heads enough, every unmet need will be fulfilled in God. That's the proclamation of Jesus, his first teaching to disciples. Number five, happy are the merciful. 
Those who are full of pity, compassion, they have divine grace or they have covenantal grace. Covenantal grace and divine grace are the same thing, but it's a little different than we think of. People say, I'll be graceful to people. Yeah, it means I've decided ahead of time to be grateful to, be grateful to you whether or not you deserve it. That's divine grace. I'm going to de demonstrate to you um, mercy. Charity is another way you can say that, right? Charity. Um, those who are merciful are happy, Jesus says. Those who met out divine grace are happy. You might think, well, well that one's obvious, right? Why? Because it feels good to be charitable. It feels good to do good for people, right? That's not why Jesus says you're happy. Not because in the moment it felt good. He had a good thing for that person. I helped out. I contributed. Did my part. He says, because they, again, future tense, will receive what? Mercy, pity, compassion, divine slash covenantal grace. Undeserved. This is the gospel that Jesus proclaims. Blessed are, happy are the merciful because they will receive mercy. Three more. Blessed are the pure in heart. Means someone who's clean or unstained, and that could be literal, it could be ceremonial, um, and it can be uh, spiritual, unblemished. Um, it's an idea of, of, a, of a purely white sheet. If you ever try to get whites white, I can't ever do it. I can't. I, I've tried. Chris's grandma, we would just give her our whites, and they come back white. I don't know what she did. Nobody knows. It was magic. It was like apple pie. It was magic. We don't know how it worked. It just worked. But we would literally give her our whites, and they'd come back, and they're like, oh, it's like it's like it's spreading out a package. As a guy, my shirts never look like that again. They never do, right? That's the imagery here. A pure heart, straight out of the package, unblemished, untarnished by the world, uncorrupted, not, not one full of spite and envy and all the growth, but just beautiful, pure heart. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. And what we can say is the innocent. By the way, we kind of make fun of people who are innocent, don't we? We call them naive. Jesus calls it pure of heart. I believe good things. I believe good things. And that heart, by the way, isn't just, you know, your cardia. It's your mind, your character, your will. They're, 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 they have pure motives is the way you can say it. Why? Because they will, in the future, see, look upon God, God's self. They will behold his holiness. He's an encourager of that kind of naivete. The kind of naivete that the world says, oh, well, how goofy that you think there's hope in this. How silly you think there's a way forward. And he, 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 he's pleased by this heart. And he says, if, when you're happy because you will see God. You will see God. Jesus says, happy are the peacemakers. Make that slide move. Happy are the peacemakers, right? Those who actually make peace. And this is a season. One of our cards, actually, that I was showing you earlier, um, one of them says peace, right, on it. We, we think it's such a principle, foundational bedrock. We, we proclaim it along with um, hope and love and joy. We proclaim peace, peace to you. Um, we sing songs like Silent Night, right? All is calm, all is bright. It's so peaceful here. And yet so many of us in our daily lives don't make peace. Jesus says the peacemakers are happy. I would say peacemakers are frustrated because they know peace. Say, you know, we can't get peace in the Middle East. We can't get peace in my house, right? Peace, it's a hard thing. Can I just get a little peace? He says, blessed are the peacemakers. I want to see the practical reality this people who are um, making quietness or rest, but it means to actually make it, to construct it, to kind of try to prop it up together and say, I'm going to seek peace, even though we aren't there. I'm going to try to, the Bible says this, as much as it's up to you, make peace with all people, not just believers, but everyone. As much as it's up to you, as much as it's in your authority, try to make peace. Paul encourages us to do that. Well, here Jesus says, blessed, happy 
are peacemakers. Why? They will be, future tense, called sons of God. The word sons isn't just the men. Of course, it's a silly to have to say it, but I'm going to say it just to be very, very clear. Sons mean sons, daughters, children, or descendants of God. They will be known to be in the lineage of God's very purposes, that the peacemakers amongst us, that they are happy because they belong to God. You wonder, where do you get the longing in your heart for peace? Do you think you invented that? Do you think we came up with that on our own? Jesus' teaching is that it's a divine attribute, this longing in our soul that does seem to come around at Christmas time for peace, that we have peace in our family. Or Thanksgiving came that way, that we would just have pe one peaceful meal together. That's a divine attribute. And Jesus says, happy are the peacemakers because they will be called children of God. Look, future tense. People won't recognize it in the moment. They won't see it then. They won't give you accolades for trying to make peace. They'll say, just fight with the rest of us. It's fun. <laughs> no, no, no. Jesus says, happier peacemakers. Maybe some of you are peacemakers, and you're like, what's the problem with this? It's so easy to be peacemakers. For the rest of us, not so easy to be peacemakers. But you're happy. You're blessed. Number eight, blessed are those persecuted because of righteousness or due to righteousness. Comes in verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Um, the, uh, we've had this word before, persecuted, and, but the, the, the most uh, obvious way is those who've been hunted down. Uh, pursued by an enemy. Um, you, you think about, if you're a movie person, there's always that moment in the movie when, it, when you're following, uh, either, it, whether it's a good guy or a bad guy, whoever, it, and they're in the woods and they're running from someone, they trip and fall over the stick, you know, and, and, they, and people are, the dogs are after them, the guns are after them, right? They got nowhere to go, nowhere to go. That's the idea of being persecuted. It's not that, it's not that yeah, life's kind of hard sometimes, I have to climb a mountain like everybody else. It means someone's pursuing you through the mountain, and they have an unfair advantage over you. And Jesus says, happier those people who are being chased around in life, we're being pursued, but not just pursued for any old reason, because there is some pursuit that is, you know, you're running from a law, right? You're running from a right, um, a, uh, a, an error, a, a, a mistake you've made. You're, you're being pursued. But this is those who are persecuted because of righteousness, and we've already talked about that, right? God's justice, that you've made a claim. You said, this is not, this is not God's way. We're going to do this God's way, and then that, the, all the world begins to turn on you and say, no, 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 we're not doing it that way. And you begin to be pursued because of righteousness or for the sake of righteousness, this, is re this, again, connects back to number one. Why? Because theirs, possessive, is in real time the kingdom, authority, jurisdiction of heaven. That's why they're blessed. Again, you watch them and you say, oh, those poor souls. They're being pursued for their faith. Um, maybe you, you heard the story about the young man who went to the island to try to share the gospel and was killed on the beach, right? And what does the world say about that, right? What a dumb thing to do. Leave those people alone. Why do you care? It's only 50 to 100 people. Just leave them go. And a 22-year-old guy says, no, I want righteousness. And I, he wrote a note, I don't want to die. And then he got off the boat and died. Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted, hunted. That's the, that's the word, what we heard. We've seen the world struggle with what it means. Why would you do that? What, make that illegal. They do. It's illegal to go there. And the witness and some people were even saying, he wasn't even really a missionary, he was an explorer, so let's don't give him the missionary credit. No, 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 listen. He had a conviction that God wanted him to share the gospel. He's going there with a specific purpose, and he ends up getting killed, hunted, literally. Why? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven, the authority, the realm of the Most High. It's just like the, um, the poor in spirit. So he ends where he begins. That's eight. That's eight. We got one more. 
Jesus says this, verse 11, blessed are you. Who? Me? Are you a disciple? You know, a disciple means a learner. Are, are you in a relationship with God where you're saying, God, I don't know everything, but I'm following you. I'm listening to you. I'm trying to learn from you. God, I, I don't know everything, but I, I, I sense your Holy Spirit living in me, and, and I'm trying to be obedient to your Spirit. God, I don't know any, everything, but, but I'm in relationship with you, and I need you, and I long for you. He says, blessed are you then, the disciples, those who gather near to Christ, when people insult you, persecute you, or falsely say all kinds of evil against you, what does Jesus say? Because of me. I mean, make no bones about it. If you start walking around your life and, and start saying, I believe in Jesus Christ, you're going to get insulted for it. 2,000 years later, we act shocked by this. <gasps> you don't like me because I'm a Christian? I'm a Christian. You should like me because of that, right? Many of us kind of do Christianity light because it's safer. <laughs> yeah, Christianity and other stuff. It's okay. Um, but not Jesus alone. You mean there's no righteousness apart from Jesus Christ? You mean I have to believe in Jesus to be saved? Yeah, absolutely. He says, blessed are you when people defame you or taunt you. The word means to show your, their teeth to you. It could be laughing. It could be sneering at you. What? Because of Jesus. Or, or persecute. The same word, right, he used before for the righteous, those who are righteous. Chased or hunted down. He has a third, saying all kinds of evil and, and, and creating pain against you. There's that, famous, um, there's that famous little kid's song that whenever I was growing up anyway, it said, uh, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words never hurt me. I was taught that when I was a kid. Just keep saying that. They can say mean things to you. It doesn't hurt, but it's not true. It does hurt. <laughs> words shape us. If you, if you grow up in a house where people say mean things to you, it changes your life. If you grow up in a house where people bless you, it changes your life. Words do matter. And he says, blessed are you when people say all kinds of evil, hurtful things against you. What? Because of me. You're happy. You're happy. Then Jesus interjects one thing. You've heard the pattern so far, right? Blessed, why? Blessed, why? There's an interjection this time. Blessed are you. And he says this in the middle of it. I want you to hear it, church. He says, 12, rejoice and be glad. <laughs> he, he says you're happy when it happens. But then he commands us in the middle of it to rejoice and be glad. To rejoice and be glad. It's right in the middle. And it's present tense. Jesus says, when someone does, and by the way, that's a shall in the future. Someone shall do this. When they do this in the future, disciples, I want you to rejoice. Rejoicing means to be glad, to lean in, to draw near. The word is charity, to, to have Lean into God's grace in that moment. That someone has said something really hurtful or, or someone's taunted you, made fun of you for being a Christian and believing in Jesus Christ and the gospel of salvation. He says, lean into me in that moment. Do it. Like, trust me more. Lean on me more. Bend your ear toward me more in the moment. And then he says this, and this is the crazier of the two. He says, rejoice and be glad, right? And the word of, um, or exult, rather. And the word of, um, let me read what it says. Rejoice and be glad is NIV, but it's, the word is exult. And you know what it means? It means I cannot do that. I can't do it. But it means do that heel clicker thing. Can anybody do the heel clicker thing? The heel clicker thing? Can anybody do it? Huh? That's crazy to me. That's what it means. It literally means to jump for joy. You know where you see it? On the football field. You scored a touchdown. Yeah! They do some dance or whatever, right? You, you, you do that thing where you, you jump up and you bro chest bounce thing that everybody does. You know what I mean? And try not to look awkward. There's a celebration in the end zone. We've made it. What? Jesus says, you're happy. Act like it. Someone's against you. Rejoice in it. Celebrate. Do the touchdown dance. 
You're on the right team. Why? Look at what the Word says. Because great is your reward in heaven. Great. It means many is your salary, your earnings. God is pleased because of Jesus Christ. Rejoice and be glad in it because great is your reward in heaven. We ought to celebrate. We celebrate these moments. This is getting happy. <laughs> True happiness. Yes. And then he adds a little footnote. Because you're being treated just like the prophets before you. Jesus is like, this isn't a new teaching. Have you read the scriptures? The people of God are persecuted and hunted and run down and beat down and wore out. And blessed are you when it happens. Because you're like the prophets. Because of him. Like the prophets. The very people who speak for God. Let me ask a question. So is Jesus saying, hey, you want to be happy? Be miserable. Nope. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, take heart. A better day's coming. A confidence beyond this brief life is to be had. And so we get to uh, rejoice in our soul ache, you know? He just went across the spectrum. Said, yes, those people are happy because they'll be fulfilled. We have this promise from God. We were having a conversation this week uh, at Thanksgiving. I don't have any good Thanksgiving conversations. Um, one of ours was about divine judgment. <laughs> it wasn't even at my house. I didn't bring it up. Somebody else did. You know, we talked about it. And, and we talked about the reality that for those in Christ, for those not in Christ, righteousness will be known. How do you know divine justice will be done? Because Jesus will be there, the very Son of God, the very Son of Man. And this is the crux of the gospel. I want to say this to you. And, and, and say, well, how is that fair? How is that right? It's just a truth, fact, right? In the moment of judgment, God will judge us rightly. And for those who said, yes, I want your mercy. Yes, I want your grace. Yes, I want Jesus. He will say, welcome to my kingdom. And for those who always said, no, I don't. I don't want it. I don't care. I think it's stupid. He will say, away from me, you evildoers. It's a reality. That's a reality. But get this. It'll be just. I don't know where you are today, but the opportunity is there to be on the right side of justice with God. Happy. Be happy in Jesus Christ. You might say, well, it's obvious, man. Who would reject God? Look around. Who would go against God's will? Just open your eyes. We ought not be one of those people. Pray with me if you would. Father God, we thank you so much for your righteousness and justice in Jesus Christ. We thank you that you've made a way when there was no way. We thank you that because of your covenant promises to Israel that you kept it in Jesus Christ. And that for all of us who would believe, we have sanctification and, uh, and holiness and purification, spotlessness in Jesus' name. I thank you for brothers and sisters here who are reminded this morning with me that we are made clean in you. And that there's a day of righteousness coming. That this lament won't last forever. That the brokenness that we live in won't last forever. Father, maybe some of us have forgotten this morning that reality. Help us to lean into you and your grace. Help us to depend more on you, not less. Father God, in the season of, of peacemaking and, and happiness and Christmas, Father, may we look through it to the truth of the gospel, that we not, not to deny the joy of the world, but to join the joy of the world with a true joy, a true happiness in Jesus Christ. And Father, for us, we continue to follow you. Um, help us to be humble enough to be your disciples and learn from you. Acknowledge our mistakes, confess our sins to you, and be forgiven and set free. Would you do that work today, Father God? We thank you so much for every person gathered here. We don't believe it's an accident, but by our divine appointment, Father, would you do soul work in our lives that we might fully know you, 
fully depend on you and indeed be with you forever. We thank you for the satisfaction that is coming. We thank you for the kingdom that is now. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.